Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 324 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So very thrilled that you are here with me today as I am talking to Jalen Harris. And I'm so excited to have them on the show because I found their work online in some poetry, something I get sent every day and I read their poem and I just about fell off my chair. And I have the privilege and the luxury of being able to reach out to people like that and say, oh my God, please, can I talk to you? Please, will you come on my show? Can we talk about poetry? Can we talk about what you do? And this conversation is incredibly inspiring to me and I know that you're going to love it. So please stick around for that. Very short intro today as I am on my trip still to the States. My um, What we want to do an, an annual trip to the States to see the friend of, friends and family that are still so important to us, although our lives and our home is now in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I hope I'm doing right now. This is what I hope I'm doing. I hope that I am in a really comfy, cozy Airbnb. And I hope that I'm kind of like nestled down into a couch and my feet are tucked under me and there's a blanket over my lap, although it'll be October in California. So maybe, maybe no blanket. It might be warm. Probably will be warm, might be smoky. Who knows? And I hope that I'm doing absolutely nothing with my two sisters. I hope that one is on another couch and one is on uh, some kind of comfy recliner and that we're all kind of like got our chins to our chests and we're just kind of, we're just shooting the breeze. I hope that that's what we're doing with absolutely no intention of doing anything except what we're going to eat next. Um, maybe a little friendly squabbling, but not a real squabble. Let's not go to a real squabble. We don't, we don't have time for that. Uh, friendly squabbling about who should get up to pour the other one, another LaCroix. Cause we don't have LaCroix here. And I do actually like LaCroix. So, um, maybe some of that, maybe some, oh my gosh, some, uh, Zachary's deep dish pizza because, uh, Lala can't do tomatoes. So I don't get a lot of pizza. And also Lala does not, this is my partner, um, does not like, uh, chicken and weird things like spinach on a pizza, but me and my sisters, the Zachary's deep dish, it's called like the healthy one, but it's not, it's not healthy. It's pizza. It's full of chicken and spinach and so much garlic. And I hope that we are just almost sick on how much, um, we have just eaten of it and it feels so good. And none of us can move. And we're just, the three of us are just sitting around, um, laughing and talking smack to each other, talking the most loving smack. Those are, mm, wow. I make it emotional just thinking about this. This is really fun to think ahead. And if it doesn't work out like this, that's absolutely fine too. Nothing ever works out the way we think it will. It just works out the way it's supposed to. Oh, I can't wait to see them. So that's what I'm doing while you're listening to this episode. But meanwhile, you are listening to this incredible episode with Jalen. So let me give you a little bit of a, a, little, blah, blah, a little bit of a bio. 
Jalen Harris is a poet, educator, editor, and press founder from Baltimore, Maryland. She founded Soft Savage Press for the sole purpose of promoting visual and literary works by Black people. She earned her MFA from the University of Baltimore, where she was the inaugural recipient of the Michael F. Klein Fellowship for Social Justice. Her work has been featured or is forthcoming in Poem A Day, The Best American Poetry 2022, Transition Magazine, uh, Feminist Studies, and elsewhere. Her first collection of poems, Exit Through the Afro, can be purchased now. Please enjoy this interview. I hope you get a little bit of time with your own lovies and maybe some pizza if you want it. And I wish you very happy ready. Okay. Well, I am so excited to welcome you to the show today. Will you please tell us your name and your pronouns? My name is Jalen Harris and I use she and they pronouns. Thank you Thank so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I saw your poem. It was in Poem A Day, right? Uh, the, it, and this particular one just knocked me out of my chair. And I usually read those like in bed and and blew my mind open. And it was about writing and put you on my radar. And I was like, I got to talk to them. So I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Um, would you mind writing, uh, writing, would you mind reading a poem for us of your choice? I'll read the poem. Oh, um, I was, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> the life of a writer. The life of a writer is desire. I hammer into the page. I make up my mind. The streetlight is not the moon but anything can be made beautiful under the ease of my hammer. I wish that you could see that I write in blue ink, the color of oceans and early mornings, and everything is clear, like tears rushing towards the chin of my desire. I pen what I meant to pen, how deep in love I am, and how silly of me to spend all morning dreaming about love and not expect my desire to set me free. The knives of my fingers tap out the notion that if I turn the key, it will unlock. Admittedly, I am foolish about love. A simple yes excites me because I know that all that I require will be met like water meets the tongue. It's scary desire, a small fan at my window in the summer, a book light lighting the pages of my life. Ah, I'm just going to fall over again. It, thank you for reading that for our writers. This is a, a show for writers and people are also falling out of their cars and chairs right now, listening to that, the knives of my fingers. Can you tell us a little bit about how this poem came to be, how you married these two ideas of writing and desire? That's great. Okay. So um, June Jordan's like life poem poetry collections called directed by desire and that's always been just like in the back of my head as i've been identifying as a poet writing poems learning more about poetry as like a refrain you know i really struggled with that this directed by desire because <laughs> i'm just like what does that mean and like shouldn't i just you know i'm like setting up on different um ways of thinking I'm like shouldn't we just give up all our desires shouldn't I just be without desires like what are my desires and how do I even identify them and how do I even sit with that and claim them and then how do I go towards them so those are all questions I've been just at in terms of writing 
struggling with, but I've always been a writer. I've always had that terrible feeling that there aren't enough words and I have to continue to struggle to create them. And then once I finish a piece, I have to write another, I have to create another piece. It's like, I'm never quenched. Um, so when I wrote this particular poem, I had been writing a lot about, I was letting myself explore my desires, my romantic desires for one, and my writing goals for two, right? And I think like, I kept, I was laying in my bed one morning, just writing poems about my love, my love for life, my love for friendship, my love for romance. And I just kept looking at my window and there was a street light and there was a fan on my window seal. And I, like all of the images around me just kind of swirled. And I wrote this by hand and I was writing in blue ink. And like, I just really wanted to invoke the moment that I was in and what surrounded me in that moment and how, if all of these things were imagined at some point, then I can continue to imagine my own life and especially the life of a writer <laughs> and create for myself what that meant. And it was a really scary feeling, super liberating, but terrifying. I find it, I find it incredibly interesting too, that this poem was then picked for best American poetry, 2022. Like, it sounds like you were playing with this idea and playing with desire and playing with what, what I read in this poem um, is being in love with, you know, being in love with the world and with that fan and with the light and the book light and yourself and love and desire. Um, and to see that it struck such a huge chord, what does that feel like? I think it's amazing. I mean, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I never, it's amazing to me that, I wrote this poem in 2020, like in the uh, near winter. So like COVID was beginning to mutate even more mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way we had, it was before we had vaccines. It was like, yeah, it was a really difficult time. I was unemployed. I had just moved out of my mom's house. I just finished my MFA. I just, I was in a totally new part of my life and the world was in a whole new part of existence. And I was really, um, I'd spent all of grad school kind of avoiding the subject of I. I'd avoided mm. I, I was avoiding I, I was avoiding, I was writing a lot of persona poetry. And I- Can you tell listeners what persona poetry is? Yeah, so um, I, my graduate thesis was called Exit to the Afro and I describe it as like, the underground railroad of lesbian fan fiction, which is kind of corny, but in verse, <laughs> but in verse. And I was doing a lot of research about all types of black women, men, trans and non-binary folk. And I was writing in their voices based on the research I was doing. So I was doing, a, it was, yeah. So that was the, where my poetry was. I wasn't writing about my own experience as much. And then I had this, um, this is kind of a long story. <laughs> like, how did I, I love it. it up? I love it. <laughs> I had the opportunity to meet Kazem Ali on Twitter randomly. He was offering like 15 minute consultations with POC writers. And I sent him a copy of my book 
And then like a few weeks later, he emailed me and was like, hey, this is a really awesome poetry class I want you to take. I'll pay for it. I'm going to be in the class. And I was like, okay, that's so kind. <laughs> we wow. don't know each other, but I got to continue my education. The class was the best class I ever took. And this was one of the poems I was writing at that, I, that came out of that class. And it, the, po- the class was about poacher's prayer. And it was this moment of like, I was finally understanding that my palms could be in the eye, that I, they could be incantations, things I'm calling into my life, mm-hmm. that they could be prayers, chants. So that's, that's, that was the end of that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how the poem came into existence. And Holy cow, that's incredibly gorgeous. And <laughs> what, what, what else did you get from that class that was the best poetry class that you've ever taken? So it was taught by this woman, Aisha Sasha John. I don't know if you've heard about her. I don't, I don't know her. A Canadian choreographer and poet, writer, amazing thinker. And she taught us Sasha John technique, which is her last name. And um, which is a choreo- choreography technique that she was applying to our poetry. And it was all about slowness, immediacy, mm. um, like, you know, it was it was it was a way of like uh, slowing down the poetic process of engaging with each moment, with being aware of your own surroundings, and it was it was a very embodied, I to me, experience of poetry. So um, that really changed like my formal education. <laughs> I was like, wait, I was formally educated, but wow, this. This da- this dancer is teaching me about poetry from the body's perspective, which I was just really revolutionary to me. That's absolutely fascinating. When I when I teach writing, and I'm actually you know when when a class includes critique, which is something I don't do very much anymore, I use a critique method that was a choreographer's. It's something about the embodiment and thinking about the person inside this person who's putting out their work for other people to read is super important. So I find that really fascinating. And then we've got, you know, Martha Graham talking about creativity in her books. Um, there's oh, so cool. So let's bring it to your writing process. Now you're 2022. What is, what does it look like? Where does writing fit into your life right now? So uh, I am, <laughs> I feel like, um, I think, Getting an acceptance from the Best American Poetry Anthology was nothing I ever considered, <laughs> honestly. So how did that feel? How did that feel when you got it? Like incredibly random. <laughs> <laughs> and also like so validating. Yeah. And because it was a, a poem that I honestly was so embarrassed to show people because it was so vulnerable. It's so intimate. And yeah. Intimate. And but it put in perspective that like I'm not writing in a void. And that yeah. when I share my work, it will be heard. So I've been writing a lot this year. I'm a teacher, so I'm finding time when I can. But um, I've been branching out of genre. It's kind of like encouraged me to, I've been writing some memoir. I've been in my head tinkering around with some fiction. And yeah, so I have some projects and some Google Docs formulating some manuscripts as they call them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how do you, how do you choose what to work on next? I'm trying to focus on things that will bring me energy back. I'm also mm. a book designer. So there's this publication that 
I have like over 20 submissions from folks from this is really exciting I'm gonna be pretty small like in terms of heft but um I want to I think right now I'm a little exhausted with the creation the productivity of like my own originality and I I'm excited to spend the summer designing this book editing this book promoting this book you know like it's just so folks in my community have access to something and I it, it's mostly folks in my community from Baltimore so I have, and this I'm, is an anthology of black writers in your area is that right yeah well the thing yeah. is black love so it's a black visual and even some performance artists and writers all of their all of them kind of ruminating on the question like what is black love like what does that look like in your practice in your life etc so i'm excited to i think that's going to give me some energy back to then hit the page again and be like okay well i have this wonderful project that i got to make and i didn't have to create anything literary new like visually yes but (laughs) yeah and go back to my own writing after that. It's so. Using a different kind, different part of your brain, I think is always really helpful for, for me. Yeah. And I, I love what you're saying about the creating energy. There's this coach called Becca Syme who talks a lot about how we create our energy pennies. And, you know, it's kind of like the spoons theory. Like we have a certain amount and if we're not making more, we're spending them and we're going to run out. Um, so I, I love that you're doing that. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Oh, what's my biggest challenge? One, this is a huge, there's two. One is the editing process. I've always struggled with seeing my work outside of itself and, um, or just identifying folks that I can send work to and get some honest critique Mm -hmm. about what they're seeing and what they're not saying and how I can kind of bridge the gap. So yeah, I have a hard time like stepping out of that that of the word and then to see the work. Um, and the other thing is that I, I think, particularly with verse, because I've been writing verse for so long, I get frustrated by how I can be convoluted and verse and uh, reading verse can feel convoluted. And like, I just want everything to be simple. And that's... Mm. I also have to like give myself the space to write through that because I do want my work to be accessible. Like it, it is really important to me that folks can kind of feel and experience and understand in simple language what I'm experiencing. Cause I feel like that's the human experience is that we are sharing a really powerful experience and I don't want to overcomplicate it because it's already very complicated. <laughs> yeah. You're already d- dealing with really dense subjects. And I, I always go back to that quote, um, apocryphally, it's been attributed to everybody, but uh, easy writing is damn, easy reading is damn hard writing. Yes. And it's, <laughs> it's the truest thing. Like I used to get insulted when people say your books are so easy to read. I'm like, what are you, what are you saying about me? No, but that's, that's hard to pull off. That is hard to pull off. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? It's that, it's that feeling, <laughs> it's that feeling when you finish something and it's like, this is exactly how I feel. Like, oh. whoa, I got to, it exists. It is not just like in my throat or the back of my neck or in my heart or in my feet. Like it exists. And I, that's what I felt with the life of a writer. Like at the end of this poem, I, I wrote it. I didn't do, I don't remember doing a lot of editing. And I was like, this is true. Like this feels like exactly what I was experiencing in this moment. And there is something to be said about that rush. <laughs> like, <laughs> If we could figure out how to bottle that and sell it, man, that would 
that would that would change <laughs> because I would like to sign up to be able to get that whenever I want. Um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? That's great. Um, I think, okay, well, I'm a teacher, so I'm just thinking of an adage I, I tell my kids all the time. Writing skills are life skills. And like li living is rewriting, basically. Ooh, tell me more. Uh, I think I'm just always trying to tell the kids, like, if you can go through, if you can sit in this process of getting it out, letting it happen, writing it down, sharing your work, coming to workshop prepared, <laughs> then you can have the opportunity to go back to the drawing board and see what you wrote and what happened. And I think that's like, that process helps you with your own life. Like you, you can have that space and that, that, that um, opportunity to kind of reevaluate the decisions that you make and choose something different. And I don't know if that's craft related, but I think that's like very, you have to go through the process like of, of rewriting, of editing, of reviewing, of re re-seeing. And that, that, that happens internally almost naturally. And I think that is one reason I come back to words because it makes me a better person and outside of like the accolades and the attention, I, I, I want to, I want that life skill. I want to put myself yeah. through the process and come back and I see myself a little different and also with a lot more love, I think, <laughs> where I was when that's, I, when I did this. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Like that's, that's how we learn compassion. If we never allow ourselves to think about revision in all its different places in our lives that we can hold it then we're stuck with what we did and it's not going to change. And, and what an incredible life skill that you're teaching these kids. How old are they? I teach high schoolers. You're a, you're a saint. You're a bloody saint. I don't know how, 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 what do you, okay. Rather than that inarticulate question, um, what do you see these language skills that you're giving them? What, what do you see this do in them? I see them grow like intensely and I mean as their writing teacher I see them their writing take leaps and risks and make smarter moves <laughs> than they did at the beginning of the year but I also get to like have a a sincere relationship with other writers who are at this like really tender place where they're trying to figure out who they are and uh, I disclosure I teach at my high school oh so my god that's so great it's <laughs> like kind of my <laughs> experience and then yeah. I'm like I was here I totally get like you want to express and you can do that and I wanted to make this sure this is a safe space but your expression isn't just like for viewing but it's for you to really engage in your own process of like becoming and we can have honest conversations because of that and I think like it opens them up to thinking that like adults aren't just people who are trying to control them and yeah. <laughs> make them yeah. do metrics but like people I'm trying to give you some life skills that when you leave this environment and you don't have the the physical support that you can turn back to the page and get some support like you know who you are there you know that process and you can like you can engage in that and I don't have to be here for it but stay in contact <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely changing lives forever because we all remember the teacher or two that we had that did that who really listened and I love that you're saying you know like you get to watch these kids grow and change but I also want to impress upon you that you they're doing that because you're there 
not because some other teacher is there. They're doing it because you're there and you're listening and you're challenging and you're encouraging them. Um, incredible. Ah. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? ADHD. Oh. <laughs> Hand to the sky here. Me too. Yes. Yes. ADHD and my ADHD medicine. Yes. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> it's the, I have, I have so much energy and so many ideas. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I'm surprised sometimes I did this, uh, what was it? 15 week, um, weekly writing prompts from the common. And, um, so every week I'd get three prompts and I would try and write for an hour and it would always be surprising. I'm like, how do I have so many ideas? Why are there so many things to think about? Where did this even come from? Where did this, you know, I'm just like, I'm always surprised by my own brain, but it's like, I'm hyperactive. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can recognize that in you. <laughs> I can see that. I always think that the hyperactive type of ADHD, which is the kind I have, which is why I talk so fast, um, is like a superpower. It, it, it also can be a, you know, pain in the ass, but it is a superpower in a way. The ideas, the ideas are endless. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's gorgeous. What is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? Oh my God. Okay. I just read Destiny Oberg's songs, Nobody's Magic. Mm, I don't know this. A fast reader. It just came out. So it came out like February of this year. So it's rather Mm -hmm. new. But Jessie O'Birdsong is a poet, and I've, I've been coming across her poems for years. So I went to the library like a month back, and I saw her name in the fiction section. I was like, oh, my God, so exciting. Poets writing fiction. Let's oh, go. Yeah. Like, what's happening? And the book is a three-part narrative about these three women who all live in Shreveport, Louisiana, who all have albinism, and very different life experiences. They don't like cross over in the book, but they'll mention each other because they're in the same community. Mm -hmm. So they like heard of each other or things like, and it's, the book just has so, it's just so true to life. Mm -hmm. It is so, the way she's using repetition and like when things come back and symbol and theme, it's a whole, like she's just adding layers. It's like uh, thinking about different stages of life thinking about like development and choices and like how development and it will impact your choice every time. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Thank you for that. That sounds amazing. Tell me the title one more time. It's called nobody's magic. Nobody's magic. What a great title too. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it's so human. So Mm. like black growing up, and then an experience that I haven't been able to read about folks with albinism. Yeah. And it's just, wow, this is so necessary and so relatable. And so like, it feels belated. And I just feel, I'm just really happy it's in the world. I'm so happy it's in the world. I'm excited for people to read it. I hope you get a copy. I'm going <laughs> to so- get a copy. I'm going to, I'm going to go immediately and get a copy. The only book I've ever read about albinism was like a cis white straight guy, pet guy. So um, that's the, and that was, you know, 15 years ago, I read that. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Speaking about amazing work, can you please tell us about Exit Through the Afro and where we can find you and all of that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I went to the University of Baltimore for my MFA and it's a creative writing design program. So I designed the whole book. Oh, how cool is that? 
uh, I chose all the things, including the weight of the paper. And then there's some um, like art in here. That's their photographs I've took over time. They're my wow. It's my travels through the continent of Africa. And Exit is, um, it's a museum in verse of queer in history, but, and uh, I make a lot of people queer. So <laughs> it's been all like um, historically queer, but it is a book that holds the memories of fictional and living and contemporary black folks whose lives and stories I felt really drawn to. Um, and in the back of the book, there's a museum map for, with more information about each person's life. So um, there is also like this accessibility. I really want folks to be able to like engage with the persona and not be too lost. And then, so you can always reference the back and say, oh, okay, okay, this is, this is a musician. I know at least I'm like, this is musical, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like engage yeah. at some level, but yeah, that's the book. <laughs> That is beautiful. Where can we find it and you out there? JalenHarris.com. That's my website. My name is spelled like Alyn. I was named after Alyn Wood. So L-Y-N-N. That always trips people up. But, um, and then also on the website is where I've, I've been putting my other book design projects and publications. So there's Exit. And then I, the first design project I ever did was um, called Canary. And that was um, a culmination of visual and literary reflections on like black womanhood and queerness across spaces that I'd lived. So in North Carolina, South Africa, Baltimore, or writers, I got to gather writers from those places and like they, and, and visual artists, and they kind of shared how they are experiencing life. So that's really cool. And then at the end of summer, hopefully, my next pub will be out, my Black Love Anthology. <laughs> and that is called again? It's called the Black Love Zine for now. Yeah. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple. <laughs> simple is sometimes really good. You, you, I, think, I think that's fabulous. Um, I really so appreciate you being on the show. I am very, very happy for myself, selfishly, that I just get to be your fan now and continue following you and watching what you do. So thank you so much for sharing this with the show. I so appreciate you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. You've been like such a sweet host. And You're welcome. I'm a fan too. So and, we're fan after each other. <laughs> and congratulations on everything. Okay. Thank you so much. Happy writing. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>